Welcome to Failing Forward. Today we're talking about examples where white feminism has failed and how white feminism has not taken into account intersectional identities and anti-racism in the way that it needs to. As an interviewer, I made a deliberate choice today to have two white women talking about the failings of white feminism in an effort to spare our BIPOC colleagues who have been doing this work for much longer than we have, the effort of telling us that we got it wrong. White feminism isn't the only version of feminism out there. There are many kinds of feminism that have done better than this, and we'll have time and space on the Failing Forward podcast to talk more about that and to talk about what our BIPOC feminist colleagues have learned. We're looking forward to learning more from those traditions. Today, it's time for white women to own that white feminism has made mistakes. It has ignored important BIPOC voices and has pursued things without listening and without enough humility. It's time for us to own those mistakes without forcing another person of color to explain them to us again. With that in mind, I'm delighted to welcome Allison Burden, who's going to help us think about what are some spaces where we have gotten it wrong and what are things that white feminists can do better. Allison, can you please introduce yourself for our audience today? Yeah. Hi, Emily. This is Allison Burden. I'm the program director with Care International. And why is it important for us to be talking more about failure? I think that in, certainly in white Western cultures, failure is often um, seen as something negative. We don't necessarily embrace it. Um, our life experience often encourage us to fear it or misunderstand it, to run away or to hide, um, to hide it. Um, and I think that uh, increasingly over my life, I've understood that I need to make failure my friend. Um, because it's not a question of whether we're going to fail. It's really how we deal with that failure. And in my own personal experience, failure has often enabled me to think about how to do things differently. It's been lessons learned. What's the specific failure you're going to be talking about today? The specific failure I want to talk about is a, quite a sensitive one. It's one um, which I think is surfaced increasingly in our world, in part because of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. And it is the failure of um, feminism to actually embrace intersectionality and particularly from the point of view of race. So I think we'll be talking a little bit about how um, feminism or the, the struggle for gender equality has often been a, a white struggle that has ignored the incredible progress made by our BIPOC or BAME um, uh, activists. Often they are evaporated out of feminist history, um, but also uh, um, it, is, it is something that has not necessarily been really cognizant or understanding of how different forms of discrimination intersect and add up to greater discrimination. And what are some specific examples of what that looks like? So some specific examples, you know, I think white, right, white supremacy is a dominant ideology in the world. It's deeply institutionalized and, and in fact, so institutionalized that often we don't see it just as patriarchy is. Um, so it's institutionalized in our political systems in our cultural institutions globally, in our um, economies, in our societies. Often I can, we can speak in those terms, but if we make it really practical, we could think about 
the way that we're educated. I know that I trained to be a teacher and I looked at some of the school books that we were using to teach French and Spanish in the UK. You know, everyone who turned up in those books was white. Um, many of the gender norms were also, you know, really um, clear. The, the, the father went to work, the mother stayed at home and looked after the children. So it might be in education. It might be when we look at who sits in our parliaments often or our, our systems of governance. Often they're not representative of the makeup of the communities that those parliaments are serving. It might be in places like the United Nations where certain groups um, have the power of the veto and others don't. I think it's right across everything um, that we know. Another good example I find interesting is the way that, for example, research around health might focus on health that affects white people rather than black people, just as research around health has often focused on the experience of men and not of women. So it's a very deep systemic situation. And therefore it is one that is also reflected in international aid and in organizations like CARE. Specifically about the example of feminism and how feminism has been very white dominated. What are some examples of what that looks like? So, for example, if you look at the parliament, the example of the parliament, there have been tremendous efforts to ensure that there is increased representation of women in parliament. Equally, in companies, you'll often see real efforts to bring in women to boards and to senior management and indeed to measure. You know, often that will be reported, the changes that we're seeing. But it is doubly difficult and doubly challenging for a woman of color to succeed in those places. And they are not there. So we could say, for example, we could count the number of women in senior leadership in an organization, and we could feel very comfortable about that. We could also count the number of people of color in that organization and be very satisfied about that. But we don't nuance the number of women of color who are actually emerging in leadership. It may also be in the stories that we tell. Some of the stories, and again, this is, this is echoed in feminism. Many of the stories that we tell are grounded in the story of male heroism, right? And equally in stories, in, in the feminist stories, often the stories that we're highlighting are stories in context of the North of white people, of, for example, the fight for the vote in the United States or the United Kingdom. And we may not even know the other stories. They may not emerge, the stories in Africa of women who have fought for many years to secure their rights. So it, it again, it shows up in, in so many different ways and it shows up within feminism. And what are some examples of what that has looked like in your own life? When has that been a mistake you have fallen into? That's a really good question. And I think the answer in truth is all the time. Um, so in work, uh, every time that I speak first or too much, and that's too often, I'm a white woman, I'm, I have privilege. And often I am therefore given the floor and I have the space to take the floor. Every time that I've not actually consciously thought about giving space to others to contribute. Um, I failed when I imagine I have a solution to something 
in a context that I really know very little about and that I haven't listened carefully because I think the solution may already be there. Other people are perfectly able to see solutions to their own context. Every time I've assumed I might be helping and that my intent perhaps hasn't landed in the way that I intended. So for example, you know, I, I worked in Rwanda just after the genocide in, in 1995. It was a hugely uh, complex context. It, people had had experiences that I knew, uh, you know, I, I had nothing near the experiences they had had, the trauma that they had had. And yet I sort of imagined that I could find solutions to those problems. Um, looking back, I'm sure that I failed many, many times. I'm sure that many times I came across perhaps as patronizing or unhelpful. And, and those are the types of mistakes that I've needed to reflect on. That, is, that can be really paralyzing, this knowledge that you've been doing it wrong. I find that. How do you move past that? How do you learn from that experience? You know, I've been, I've been very lucky. I think there are a number of things that have really helped me. One is that people have given me feedback <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. You know, even recently somebody reached out to me to, to give me feedback that something that I had written had made them feel really uncomfortable. That is a real gift. And again, it, it is a failure. It's a moment where you have to encounter yourself and realize that you've done something wrong. It's a moment where you, my, my initial reaction is always, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, you know, and I want to apologize, but it's also a moment for, for reflection and to think about how to do things differently. And so one thing I would say is that finding the time to reflect and to think and to to bring that reflection into learning and wisdom so that behavior change, my own behavior changes. I think that's one thing that is really important. And I'd encourage people to think about that because often we work very hard and we're very active and we, we, we want to be providing solutions, but sometimes it's useful to actually just stop and find time to reflect. The second is, and I, and I mentioned it, but I wanna single it out, is to seek feedback to actually ask, ask other people how you are landing with them, how your behavior is affecting them and seek feedback. The third is actually to shut up, to, to listen, um, to engage, to come at something with a question rather than a solution or an answer. Um, and I, I think the, the other thing is um, the recognition that I am privileged and consciously thinking about the choices I make about whether I use that privilege as an ally in support of others' struggles or whether I use that privilege to step aside. One thing I noticed in my own journey, and still happens, I'm certainly not past this, is thinking, well, because I am a woman and that is one identity in which I do not hold the privilege, I understand what other people with other identities where they don't hold privilege feel. And that is colossally and glaringly wrong. That's How correct. do you think about that and, and try to check that instinct to say, because I have one power down position, that means I understand all of them? You're absolutely right. I think the, the way to check that 
um, again, is to think about it. I've worked with colleagues and one of my um, most amazing colleagues that I worked closely with was, um, uh, uh, or is indeed, African-American man. We've had the opportunity to sit together and talk about that. He, as a African-American man, faces all sorts of discrimination that I, as a woman, do not face. His experience is different. For example, him driving through, through um, rural Georgia, he feels afraid to do that, right? I don't feel afraid driving through rural Georgia. However, I do feel afraid walking through a darkened street in a city at night. Now, I think that therefore there is something that is in common around the power down experience, but there's also a, a tremendous amount that is different. And again, to get through that, I think it's about the curiosity to understand other people's experiences. I think in some cases we may get closer to them. So in our trainings, we note that, for example, if you have somebody who is um, ex who is disabled in your family, you become so much more aware of the way that the sidewalk is set up in a particular city. Whether or not you're disabled yourself, the awareness comes because you have someone close to you. You learn from them and their experience. And I think that lesson is one that you can take into your life. If you don't have someone disabled in your family, it may mean that you have less of an understanding of the experience of a disabled person. And that relationship, those relationships in our lives are so important for building awareness and understanding. What are some ways to do this when we don't have those relationships or without unfairly burdening those relationships in our lives to educate us? I think there's a lot out there that we can learn from. There are books that we can read. And it's interesting to look at the books that we do read and who the authors and are. We can choose which Instagram accounts we follow, which twi Twitter feeds we're reading. Um, there is tremendous opportunity for us to learn about other people's experiences and to integrate that into our lives. I think we have to be um, intentional about it. I think when we're in, and particularly in our field of work, when we're in a meeting with people from all across the world, who is it that we're listening to? Who is it that we're actually giving space to speak? Those are the choices that we have and the opportunities that we have to learn every day. And if you could start your journey all over again now, what would you do differently? I'd probably get better at embracing failure earlier because it enables us to learn and we, we emerge wiser. And, and I, the other thing I would say is I, I don't have all the answers and I never have. So even now I feel like I'm constantly on a journey. I, I love the challenge that my colleagues bring to me when they do provide me with feedback. I'm encountering the challenge around my white privilege at this time. You know, it, it feels deeply uncomfortable, but it also feels like a tremendous opportunity to continue to learn. So I'm not sure I would change very much, Emily. And what is an action that you would recommend to others based on your experiences? I suppose I would suggest that if we can come at things in humility, if we can really work on our own self-awareness, learn about our privilege and seek feedback from other people about the way that we're 
coming across. I think those things really do stand us in good stead to, to learn and to grow, not only to learn and to grow, but to build connections for change and to find ways to act in collective ways. And that again has been my experience over the years is that, you know, effecting change is always so much more efficient and effective when, when it is collective. So the process of being curious and engaging in a listening, humble way can actually build alliances that, that can really bring about incredible change. How do we as care, as an INGO that operates in a very flawed system and has flaws ourselves as an organization, how do we use these lessons to improve the work that we do? I think that some of the things that I've said are really central to what, what people have been saying for years about good practice in development and humanitarian work. Part of our challenge is to bring these things to our work, to show up as a whole human being and to engage in ways with communities, with partners, with people that we are engaging with every day in deeply respectful, and dignified ways. And that means that we listen and we learn together. It means that we may have to adjust and change the way that we work. It's, it's as much about changing ourselves as it is about changing the world around us. I mean, it's kind of that thing that this starts with us. You know, we, we have to be thinking about this as individuals, as managers, we can do more to focus on the development of certain people who are, as you phrased it, power down and help them in their careers. It's, we can provide the spaces for people to speak about their experiences and bring things that may have been unsaid into the room. Um, you know, those types of things, it, it's almost a consistent approach that we need to bring. Now, the question you ask about the broader system, you know, that's one that I, as a feminist, am constantly um, grappling with. You know, we're in a system and yet we're seeking to change the system. And I think we also need to be really taking care of ourselves in those situations. I'm increasingly understanding that if we are to have the energy to influence broader change, we need to be able to also find space to to heal and be our, ourselves and be our strongest selves. So I do think there's something around really finding a balance in our lives about this sort of the, the mission that we may have to bring about broader global change and end poverty and achieve social justice, the strengths that we need as individuals to do that, to show up every day to do that. Thank you so much for this incredibly thoughtful and, and wonderful set of reflections. It's been great to have you on the line and, and thank you for the vulnerability. This is not an easy thing to talk about and I know we all know, I am very conscious that I make mistakes all the time and I am making mistakes about this all the time. So thank you for being willing to share.